Hey there, everybody. No Guitar is Safe, episode 53, the actual two-year anniversary episode. Last week with Mark Marin was fantastic. Maybe it was two weeks ago. But I think this one lines up pretty close to the first episode, which was Joe Satriani two years ago. And wow, episode 53 couldn't have chosen a better guest, a guest who embodies just about everything that I value and treasure about music and about playing guitar. This guy's got it all in his fingers and in his heart. And he's also a cat that you guys have repeatedly asked for. So if anything, I'm just glad that you're going to finally stop hounding me to get you Tommy Emmanuel. We're listening to his new album, It's called Live at the Ryman, as in the Ryman Auditorium, the fabled hallowed ground in Nashville. And man, that is lightning in a bottle, as Jimmy Leslie said in his cover story interview with Tommy Emmanuel and the current Guitar Player magazine. Actually, there might be a brand new one now that just came out, but basically it's the current issue. Tommy Emmanuel on the cover, and I got to tell you, that's how it was today for me at this interview. It was like capturing lightning in a bottle. more than once for driving all the way across LA and down to San Juan Capistrano to the Coach House, a great venue that I've played a few times myself with Jefferson Starship. And he thanked me for that. I mean, actually, okay, I didn't drive. What am I talking about? I took the helicopter. You did not hear that. Well, that nine pound hammer, it's a little too heavy for my size, for my size. It was a breeze. I did not have to deal with 10 billion cars today and the stress of almost being late to my first interview ever where I was almost not on time. I arrived five minutes early, but dang, was that stressful. No, 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 no. I took the copter, people, and it was lightning in a bottle. Tommy Emmanuel, so generous of him to break off some time like after sound check and before the gig, actually before the meet and greet, just sandwiching me in there and it does not disappoint man he comes through with some killer lessons and when he just starts playing it's just nuts i really don't know of any player who just is instantly brilliant it's just like you just turn on the switch and he's brilliant love this guy he's got so much energy he's playing his beautiful maiden acoustics he brought both of them up there like when he showed up he's like are we playing i'm like yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes it's hard to get the email all the way through to the artist. He's like, oh, we are playing. He's like, let me run that man. The, the coach house has this labyrinthian, if that's a word, backstage up in the rafters. And he went all the way down through all the tables and up to the stage and got two guitars and brought them all the way back up. And it was just spectacular to have him playing for me right there backstage. Of course, I had a guitar with this awesome Tommy Emmanuel leather strap on it. But you know, I didn't really play because who needs to play when Tommy Emmanuel is sitting right there in front of you? I did take a couple of videos. Gotta thank Richard Smith, the opener. Brilliant guitar player in his own right. My gosh. Go to richardsmithmusic.com and hit the solo page and check out his cheek to cheek. I'm thanking him because he let us use his dressing room to uh, do this interview and I just I really appreciate that and now I know of another great player you gotta check him out richardsmithmusic.com but Tommy Emmanuel come on what's up this guy is just I can't tell you how spectacular of a performer he is I've seen him play a few times had him at MI for uh, some clinics probably the most well attended clinics I ever did there were the two that I did with Tommy Emmanuel in the MI Auditorium at Musicians Institute. And, you know, I kind of consider him a friend all this time, and it's just been wonderful to have him, and he certainly treats everybody around him 
like a friend, be sure to go out and get his album or order it or pull it off iTunes or check it out on Spotify live at the Ryman. This is a really important benchmark in acoustic guitar performance. I mean, you're hearing it right now, these tracks. Wow. So yeah, Tommy's playing his beautiful Maiden acoustics. They are just phenomenal guitars. He normally runs them through the Fat PA system, but you know me, I'm just sitting there. We've got, we got an SM57 on it. Maybe I'll put a little touch of verb on it here for you, just to give it a little bit of three-dimensionality. And right this moment, Tommy is on stage down there in San Juan Capistrano, just blowing people's minds. I know it. And I'm here editing this together for you so you can have it before dawn on the East Coast. You know what I'm saying? Hope you enjoy it. Thanks to Guitar Player Magazine again for supporting this podcast. Got some great shows coming up. Yesterday, for example, I did another interview in Studio A, the big legendary room at Capitol Records in Hollywood. And that one was with, well, I don't know if I can tell you just yet. I'll have to check with the label, but you better look forward to that one. That guy's sold 100 million records. I really am looking forward to putting that one together for you. Well, I am Jude Gold. Thanks for listening. Let's go down south to San Juan Capistrano, to the coach house. And let's hang out with Tommy Emanuel and two of his favorite guitars. Can't go wrong with a 57. Just yeah. point it in the right place, which is it is now. You like it right towards the, right I would there. say, just above 6 o'clock on the clock dial of the sound hole. <laughs> That's it. Right. So, wow. Got your ears in? Yeah. I, I wear hearing aids. Uh, yeah. I was born I was born with yellow fever. I remember that. Yeah. So, these are new ones, new technology. I can turn them up or down, and uh, they can focus on certain frequencies if I need them to. But they're, wow. That my. It's so bright, my guitar now. <laughs> they are so ninja, too. I mean, I can't even see those. They're so cool and modern yeah. looking. <laughs> well, they're, um, they're the best ones I've ever had. And uh, it's, it's new technology. And once they test you to see what frequencies need help, then they can focus in on that. And Amazing. then they just boost those frequencies. And then they bring your hearing to normal, what they consider normal. And then they say, okay, you can have it louder if you want, or you can have it softer. But this is normal. Amazing, so yeah. I'm one click above normal now. And they l actually look comfortable. Just for seeing are. them for a brief second, but they're so they're ninja really, too. They're really, just <laughs> really good. They've, they've revolutionized my life. I can't remember the name of the company now. Oh, okay. But uh, it's, uh, it's a company in Nashville. And uh, these are made in Germany. It's, it's made such a difference in my life because I can hear what my wife is saying now, which is good, good for both of us. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of joke potential in that, and you chose a good, very good joke there. Thank you, yes. <laughs> staying, on the, staying on the right side of that joke, which is great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stay well, on the right side of that woman, that's there you for go. sure. Well, I mean... Tommy, thank you so much for. Uh, I know how it is when you're doing a show, a busy day in between sound check oh, and that's cool. the show, and meeting I'm, with I'm us. I'm always happy to see you, Jude, and, and thanks for for uh, all you do for guitar players, for uh, for people like me, uh, get our music and our message out to the people, and uh, it's such an important thing. That's for sure. Thank you so much for what you just said. I really, you know, to even know that you register, that a person like a journalist registers on a guy like yours, Radar, oh. is incredible. I brought Man. my lucky strap here. Remember, last time you played, I think the last time I oh, really yeah. saw you was that we had you at MI at for MI? a clinic. At MI, that's right. Yeah, you organized that. I was so that. inspired, yeah. I brought, I bought one of your... Uh, one of the straps. These, these top straps, and you said it would make me into a certified guitar player. Absolutely, no, and yeah. it's been No, 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 a circus years. guitar player. Oh, that's what I, I said, that didn't I? Yeah, you said certified. I said, no, no, circus. <laughs> the results Chet Atkins used to say, CGP stands for corny guitar player or country guitar picker. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. it's great to have you here. Now, um, congratulations on this new album. I think this is one of the greatest acoustic albums I've ever heard. I mean, oh, it's, like, it's a must-have. Live at the Ryman. Live at the Ryman, yeah. It was, uh, well, it, I'd played the Ryman many times in my life, but with other artists I, i'd never done my own show there so this was this was really a lifetime 
achievement thing for me to have my own show at the Ryman. And then our goal was to sell it out, uh, which is no mean feat in a town right. that where there's something on every night. But uh, I was so lucky. In the audience were people from Georgia, Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi. Uh, people flew in from Colorado. People came from New York. There were, there were like 15 people who flew in from Tokyo for the show. It was wow. unbelievable. And uh, it was a very inspiring night. And the thing about the Ryman is when you do a sound check, the sound is amazing. When the room is full of people, you can't hear any PA at all. You, it doesn't even yeah. sound like it's on. So you've got to be aware of that. Because it still has all those wooden kind of pews, right? It has the pews because it's a, it's a church. But, uh, and the sound bounces around like crazy, and it sounds so good at soundcheck. But when the room's full of people, they just suck it all up. So you've got to know that and know that if it sounds really big and splashy and all that at soundcheck, it's going to be a lot more humbling when you walk out there in front of the crowd. <laughs> so, how do you compensate? You just get ready for it or you put a little extra verb in the monitors or anything? No, or? I, um, it, it's all about your level of concentration, you know. The, the thing that I remember about that night very well, first of all, it was the last show of about 36 dates almost in a row i had a few days off here and there but it was 36 day tour finishing at the ryman and um i i knew about the sound issue and so you know it it, it just sounded like nothing was on when i when i came out to play but the crowd were like they were big and loud and they were going going off right from the start so i just focused on that and and having a good time and um, I, I think I just like concentrated 100% to try and play well and then be in the moment kind of thing. And when I finished the show and I was driving home, I said to uh, my assistant, I said, I don't think anything is going to be worth keeping tonight. You know, I thought it was like I didn't play any good or whatever. Well, two months later, uh, Brad Bench, who had recorded the show, did a rough mix of everything, including the 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 direct signals from the stage, the uh, the room mics in the room itself, and the um, and the signal from the front desk. So we had like, I guess, ten or twelve channels for my guitar sound, and. I'll be damned. It sounded all right. It sounds so <laughs> great, man. <laughs> does and you know you can actually hear a little something i love about seeing mm -hmm. you live is mm -hmm. there's a little bit of low-end warmth through the pa system oh, yeah you get that it's when you boom, you know yeah. when you hit the soundboard or you bounce your hand on the strings so you get yeah. all that mixed boom. together the guitar sounds so powerful I've just got my uh, my little mate in acoustic here today. Um, let me play a little bit of a tune I haven't played in a long time, and I started reworking it today. This is a piece from my album Only, which came out a long time ago. This is a little bit of Timberlake Road.
my gosh. <laughs> I have to applaud for that. Timberlake <laughs> Timber Road. Road. Yeah. Oh, man. It's actually the address. It's the address of the, uh, the president of the Chet Atkins Appreciation Society in Knoxville, Tennessee. He lives Sweet. in Timberlake Road. And I was staying at his house one time, and I was out in my bedroom window. I could see the Smoky Mountains. And uh, so I just kind of got the idea. I wanted to write something that sounded a little... You know how like some of those old-fashioned bluegrass tunes have that repetitive melody? And that's what I was trying to do, write something with a repetitive melody that just constantly moved around. And uh, you know, it has a little key change that... Now we're in C. Yeah. F, E, back to A. So it's just a little detour. Right. And so if you, if you closely examine that song, you'll hear all my songwriting tools. You know what I mean? Right. So I've got a repetitive melody. I've, I've got moving chords. I've got chords moving underneath the melody. I've got a, 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 um, uh, like a, a, a verse and then the second part of a verse. Then there's a key change. Then there's a bridge which, which goes into half time. Then it, then it does a key change when you least expect it. And then it goes back to the original key. And these are ideas that songwriters use to, to make you know, three minutes of music constantly interesting. And that, that, that's what, what I try to do with that, with that style of writing. Yeah. Well, that's spectacular, man. It's yeah. like, <laughs> I mean, for, like, you're so inside it, and I really appreciate you showing well, the, uh, the, you how know, you approach it. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, because it's an instrumental piece, doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it, it, there's no thought goes into it. It's, it's, I'm still telling a story, and I still approach songwriting as if I'm writing a song for someone to sing, right? right. Um, and, um, and I use the same tools. You know, here's the introduction. Here's the first verse, second verse. Here's a chorus. Here's the bridge, a key change or whatever. I'm still using the same tools as, as if I was writing a pop song or a song for someone to sing, you know. And that, that's how I approach all my stuff, you know. And, and, and um, so I, I, I never think uh, like, you know, I'm writing songs that a, a musician can appreciate. I, w I want to write music that everybody can understand. And, you know, uh, I've written enough complicated stuff like, like um, when, I, when I wrote a tune called Jack Magic, um, I purposely wrote it in a, in a semi kind of complicated style. But what I did is I, I took an idea from um, Tell Me What I Say, the, the Ray Charles song, which goes... You remember that? Yeah. So my intro goes... Yeah, one second. This thing is... People might be hearing the... Uh, every time we tap our foot, the, the refrigerator... <laughs> uh, that's how it goes. That's all shows, right. It's you know. it's, this is this is rock and roll, baby. We're we're roll. backstage here. so much energy that's what i see i you know i've interviewed a few players by now i've been doing this I since know that. 2000 yeah the I'm, years are flying tommy yeah, exactly <laughs> but uh i don't think i know any of them that just instantly just start going the way you just oh, go absolutely like, i just you, go yeah and that's how i wake up like that 
you know. I wake up in the morning and pick up my guitar and bang, away I go, you know. But uh, it's a commitment to the song. It's not like, like, do I really have to play this? If I'm going to play this song, I'm totally committed to it. And, the, and it's, uh, that's the way I am with everything. And it has to be that way, you know. Um, and even, even if I don't come up to the level I always hope and strive for, I can always get the audience going just with sheer energy anyway, you know. It, but yeah. but um, I mean, I go out every night prepared, right? I've been, I've changed my strings, I've been tuning, I've been playing, I'm in a good place, I've rested, I've had some food, I'm, I'm, I've met people, I'm, I've got every, all my mojo in order, you know what I mean? And I walk out on stage and just let it fly. And you're always hoping for the magic. You're always hoping that this magic carpet ride will continue, you know. And some nights, as hard as you try, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't happen. And so they're the nights that you have to get through and do a good job. Um, and when, there's n when there seems to be no magic in the air and the ideas that you're hoping are just going to come upon you are just not there. So in situations like that, I know I can rely on my repertoire to get me through. You know what I mean? My arrangements, my songs, um, and whatever ability I have, I know will get me through. It's not the same feeling as when you walk on stage and it's like magic right from the start, you know, and ideas come to you and flow through you and all that. That's amazing. But it doesn't always happen. And uh, so you really got to have something to stand on. Yeah. And, and that's a repertoire and, and uh, some good songs and some good arrangements. When I get asked the question, and I get this question a lot, people say, what should I, uh, what should, can I tell my son who's just starting out? What should I tell him? And I say, learn some good songs. Get some good arrangements, learn some good songs. That's where you start. You know, all the playing ability in the world is not going to impress people if they're not if they're not playing something that is going to move people. You know, you got to tell people stories musically, take them somewhere and say something. You know, yeah. songs are the universal language. Too. Yeah, well, exactly, exactly. I mean, and so, sometimes people get, especially in jazz, people get lost. Uh, they've lost the ability to have fun. It's too intellectual. And music should be both. There's intellect, but there's there's fun, and there's and there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of a lot of story and a lot of human emotions behind music, because music's here for us, and uh, we're supposed to be drawing on it. You know. One thing I love about doing events with you too is like the second you walk in the door, you're making friends with everybody. I remember when we did at MI that you walked uh -huh. in and you said hi to the janitor. Oh, absolutely. Said, hi, I'm Tommy. That's right. He didn't know who you were. <laughs> That's right. And, but, uh, uh, you know, when, when someone says to me, you know, hey, I, I'm Bill, I'm, uh, I, I haven't met you before, and, or I only just discovered you, then, then, and I'll say, well, I just discovered you too, how are you? <laughs> you know? Fantastic. Yeah, well, well, we're, you know, we're here together. I'm, I always feel like I'm a servant of the people, and um, I think that, that if people are going to pay money to come and see you play, you should, have, you, you should be able to give them everything you've got and don't hold anything back. And that, that's how I look at it every night. It's like, tonight I'm going to walk out there, I'm going to give everybody as much as I possibly can, and then I'll go home and sleep and get up and do it again tomorrow until I'm unable to do that. And you yeah. seem to do that like a hundred times a year doing shows. 300 shows a, day, a year I do. Yeah. That's, that's nutty. I, I am not well, sure I'm, who does that many. I'm trying, I can't to get, think of anybody. I'm trying to get good at this, Jude. So, <laughs> you don't give up. Keep I on keep, keep at it. Exactly. <laughs> do you think you could give like, I mean, I, I meet a lot of young students and they don't mm -hmm. realize, they don't know what Travis picking is. And I know All right. That, well, like, let's, what's, let's what's show them, shall we? 10 cent little oh, introduction. Well, I heard Merle Travis, uh, I heard Chet first even yep. though he came after Travis um, uh, I heard Travis when I was about 12 I heard Chet when I was about seven so when I heard Travis I heard a completely different sound I, I thought wow Chet really sounds a bit like him but it's a bit more sophisticated but then Travis's stuff sounded more honky-tonk to me so let, let me explain the difference say for instance if we were playing the nine pound hammer which is a classic Merle Travis tune, Travis would play, like his bass part would be like this. 
it'd be like that plonk, 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 plonk left hand of the honky-tonk piano. Yeah. Whereas Chet's would be more meticulous. Picking out the notes like that. You see that? Travis yeah. is... He, Travis is kind of strumming a bit, exactly. but he's got yeah. the palm muting the, at the bridge. Exactly. But when he goes from the E to the A, he plays the E bass at the same time. Well, Chet would never do that. Chet would go... Right. Travis goes... See that? Yeah. It's same chord, just sounds completely different. So here's, here's, to, here's some Travis picking. Ready? There's tunes like So yeah. they're they're kind of honky tonk sounding tunes, you know, and um, and the reason I play them is because I. I, I love them. They're they're great and they're great fun tunes to play. And it doesn't matter where I go on this planet. It could be Russia, it could be China, it could be Germany. And it, when I play a Mel Travis tune, it connects with people straight away. It's right. it's amazing. Yeah, you know, I've played this room a few. I play with Jefferson Starship now, the current version, and I've played here a few times. Oh yeah. And a lot of times I do this. I would, you know. I, dabble in a little bit of Travis with the we do the Yorma Kalkinen piece embryonic journey from way back but I don't have a thumb pick like you which would you know really take things up but you know it, it shows up in a lot of places that people don't realize that when whenever I teach finger style I always start out by explaining that the thumb has to be separate to the fingers so the thumb spells out the chords there's a C, F, G, C. That's yep. step one. Step two is leave your pinky down and with your three fingers, spell out the chord while keeping the thumb going. So like this. Nice. Right. Now, step three is... Um, Put a little accent on what the fingers are playing and keep the thumb going. This is the, the very, very beginnings of independence in, in, within your right hand. So you get, you get the, your fingers go one, two, three, four. Ba, 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 like that while the thumb keeps going. See that? Yeah. Now, the fingers don't want to do that because the, thing, the fingers want to do what the thumb's doing. And this is how you, you train, you start to train right. it. So then the next step is playing arpeggios with, with your fingers, spelling out the chords. So you, your fingers are going... And then the thumb's going... Right? on your fingers you're starting with your middle finger yeah you're using all three fingers there yeah just the two oh you're just using the two yeah. so the yeah and then once you can do that and keep it in time and all that then you can learn a song the first tune I always teach is Freight Train the reason I choose it is a, it's a good song. Secondly, is you don't have to hunt around for the melody. It's on top of the chord. So if you're playing in the C position, you get G. Bar chord G, yeah. C. E. A minor. F. C. G. C. So you learn that, work out those positions, then you get your thumb doing that, and then you play. 
And then if you want to get adventurous, you can go... So you're doing the same thing with bar chords. That's right. Up in E. Atkins ending. Yeah, there, lovely. So, so that, that, that's how it builds. It starts out as the thumb on its own, then the finger exercises with keeping the thumb going. And that's how, that's the beginnings of independence. Now, Chad, of course, it's like Merle was kind of the homey coal camp approach, which is awesome. Yeah, and he wrote all the great songs. Wrote you know, the great he wrote song. 16 Tons, yeah. The Nine Pound Hammer, Saturday Night Shuffle, The Guitar Rag, all those yeah. classic, and of course, Cannibal Rag, which originally came from the father of the Everly brothers, Ike Everly. If you listen to Ike Everly, you will hear Merle Travis. That's where Merle got it from. Ah. So, And before yeah. Ike Everly and Mose Rager was... A, a guy called Arnold Schultz, and he was an itinerant work, um, um, coal miner who lived in the Drakesboro Central City area in Muhlenberg County, Kentucky. And he went quite often went down to New, uh, New Orleans to, to play, and he brought that music of New Orleans back to that area. Like the ragtime stuff? Yes. And that's where a lot of this... Uh, like, you can hear it in, in Merle Travis's uh, The Guitar Rag. Listen to this. Yeah, so that's... I love that last note. You slapped your fretboard with your strumming hand over. (laughs) Just to give it a punctuation. One thing that you, I think, really added to the equation of, you know, this legacy of this style is you Mm. also have kind of like a strummy, almost punk rock side where I don't know if you pinch your thumb pick almost like a regular pick. Like... Yeah. I can flat pick with a thumb pick, and there's not many people who who do that. You know, even, Chet used to play fast runs, and he'd play it like that. Right, yeah, using I, your I thumb and three fingers. I can and you flat also pick it. fast strum. Like, let's take a listen to. I'll play the album track here. Maybe the first track, which is Tall Fiddler. Seems oh, yeah. like you're kind of got a little bit of a fast strumming thing happening. So, yeah, it seems like you got a fast strumming thing going there with your flat pick, as it were, even though it's a thumb pick. Right. Well, actually, the tall fiddler is played with a, with a, with a straight pick. I, I started out playing fingerstyle with a straight pick. I was not aware of the thumb pick. So at, at an early age, I was playing Chet Atkins tunes. Now I'm going to do it for you. Now this you is my, my straight pick. I was playing... So that's with a straight pick, right? Yeah, hybrid so, style, you're kind of... Exactly. And then I finally saw a photo of Chet, and he had a thumb pick on, and I went, oh, that's it, you know? So <laughs> now, that, what is that pick, by the way? I recognize that. This is my, one of my signature picks. It's a D'Andrea. Oh, wow. It's, the, it's based on the David Grisman dog pick, the, the mandolin pick. That's the one I like. And so they, they made a signature model for me. Nice, got a nice bevel on it, I guess. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good, and it's like, it's like a, it's the tortoise shell you have when you don't have to kill a tortoise. Is, and yeah. just for the record, what thumb picks do you recommend, or would, if someone wanted to get your thumb, you got to find get? what works for you. But what works for me is a Jim Dunlop medium, yeah. and I just go through a lot of them until I find one that really sits well and and is on the exactly the right angle. So I always carry at least three in my in my pocket, because. Would you believe 
my thumb is different all the time. Oh, I was going to ask and if it, the picks were changing from pick to pick, but yeah. it's your thumb. Some of them are tighter than, than others. Like, okay. for instance, I'm here in California. It's warm. It's not too humid. And so yeah. my thumb would probably be a normal size. I go up in the winter. I go somewhere like New York or whatever. My thumb shrinks and it's a lot smaller. It's, it, it's, it doesn't, you wouldn't imagine that it would make that much difference. But when your whole world is, is based around what your thumb does, believe me, it's important. Well, here's a question for you. If you're taking a shower before showtime, do you put on the rubber gloves like, uh, no. like Chet did? No. <laughs> no, but I always lube up. I always put a little moisturizer on my hands, and I find, I find a moisturizer that, that, that uh, sinks yeah. in and doesn't leave any residue. It, it's not, not slippery. You ever hang out with Tom Bresch, uh, Merle Travis's son, and when you're in Nashville? Oh, all the time. <laughs> uh, guy's a riot. He is, he is one of my favorite players on the planet. My God, what a, what a depth he's got in his playing and, and a groove, you know. Him and I have a great time playing together. Oh, I'd love to see that now. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us, Ben, so many guitar players listen to this show, and what's it like uh-huh. living in Nashville these days? Of all the places you could live, you've chosen, you come by way of Australia yeah. all the way to Nashville. Well, okay. Well, first of all, I came to Nashville because I wanted to meet Chet Atkins in 1980, and so that was my first visit there. There were several Australians there at that time, and they were mostly singers and songwriters, and they were, you know, struggling their way, trying to get into the music scene in Nashville and get a song covered by an artist or whatever. Uh, So they kind of helped me out and um, showed me around a little. But it was really Chet who who said, "This is where you belong. You know, you uh, you can be either be in Australia, but what you need to achieve, you need to be here." So, I I left Australia in '98 and I moved to England because that's where my ex-wife wanted to be. We were married at the time, and uh, she was from Denmark, and so she wanted to live in England. Uh, so she could be close to Denmark. She didn't want to go back to Denmark. So I had to kind of start my life and my career all over again and move to England. And then eventually we, we, we divorced and I moved to Nashville. So I'm really glad that I did because I got on the Opry. Um, I got mm. to do stuff for the Country Music Hall of Fame. I got to do talks about Chet's life and his life as a producer, about some of his recording ideas, his production ideas. And, um, and then I started playing a lot around Nashville. And, then I, and I, so I did like Nashville, Atlanta, Memphis, uh, Knoxville, uh, up to Chicago and all that. And I started, you know, in small places, cafes, folk clubs, uh, country music clubs, all that kind of stuff, saloons, and then I eventually got to theatres, and uh, I just kept at it, you know. But my, my, my management are in, in Nashville, and most of my friends are in Nashville as well. And what about if for a young player who's, they're a guitar player to the core, but they haven't mm-hmm. developed a career yet, what's it like if they decide to move to Nashville? It depends what you want to do, but really it's, a, it's all about, it's not even necessarily how good you play, it's about how good your songs are and 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 if you do something that 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 is real you know um too many people think that nashville is what they see on tv or that it's you know like some uh, magical place that you go there you're going to be a star i mean they used to say the same thing about la and new york and they're like two of the toughest towns in the world to even get a gig let alone be discovered kind of thing right. so you know, I'd say if you're going to come to Nashville, then you you should do some open mic nights. There's a lot of them, um, and try to get on the bill on some of those songwriters' nights and all that sort of stuff, and get out and network with people and meet people and you know get to know people. Um, I I go out and jam with other players. When I'm home from tour, I want to see Jack Pearson play. You know, I want to see Vince Gill play with the with the time jumpers or something like that. I want to go and see people that are that are doing it on a level of excellence that will inspire me and force me to go home and practice, you know. Right. 
So all that sort of stuff is 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 important to me. And during the days, if I'm not doing interviews or or something like that, then you know I'll go to guitar stores and hang out and play guitars with people because that's what I do. <laughs> That's great. And they're great. I mean, whether you're seeing live music or going to guitar shops, yeah. that's a great time for both. That's right. Yeah. Now, maybe could you show me a little, what's the main chord position for a tall fiddler? Like, tall, it seems like it's okay. a pretty straight, or that different tuning? Right. Yeah, but I brought my other guitar here. You are such a bro. He can lean that on this chair. <laughs> that's all right. Okay. You so, make me nervous leaning those guitars on sh shiny, smooth surfaces. Yeah, don't worry. Okay. They're all okay. Not on my watch, Tommy. There you go. <laughs> so, the tall fiddler is a... Yeah, so, th this is the guitar from the live album. And then you, I see you have the feedback buster in there, which so you can still hear it. Oh, getting, I, I hear can it take well, it out. Yeah, here we go. Either way. Yeah. I just like listening to that guitar even when you're tuning. It sounds so beautiful. All right, here we go. Ready? So the Tall Fiddler is a G6 tuning, and it's um, E string down to D, A string down to G, and the rest normal guitar tuning. So D, G, D, G, B, E. So there it is. Capo second fret. Let's play a little bit of it. I'm getting the show right in here in this room and you're about to go do it downstairs yeah there you go so well, it's basically the right hand technique is pretty similar to a mandolin technique straight up and down strokes see that yeah if I slow it like a mandolin stroke like, what do you mean like meaning straight up and down you, you, you yeah. know how how bill bill, bill monroe played that kind it looks of like, it looks like you're strumming exactly so it's all even up and down strokes so that's how i get that so and the second part so, so same thing I'm doing that with yeah, with my right hand. Get that choo-choo train going. Exactly. And then when I when I speed it up, it's the same thing. 
So, right? And then I do. So I slow that down. So I'm doing a lot of hammer on and pull off with the left hand. So I'm not playing every note. But I'll make it sound, when, when, when you hear it in yeah. the PA, it sounds like I'm playing every note, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the technique of playing the song properly. So, see, in the first four notes, I only played one. Right. Check that out. On one see string. Yeah. High string. Capo yeah. at the second. And it's important when you've worked that out slowly, it's important to practice it with a metronome. Uh, so yeah. you can get it really in the pocket and you can make it, you know, groove at a high speed. You know, so you say. <laughs> There's a metronome, you know? Right. And you should be able to play it slow, medium, fast, at all the different tempos. And you practice it that, that way. Practice it slow. Make sure you got all the notes right. And then practice at a medium pace and understand the feeling of it with all the notes right. And then when you yeah. play it fast, then the, the, auxiliary, uh, the exhilaration of, of playing it at that speed but still having feeling. That's hard. Fantastic. Well, you know, you kind of... Uh, it's, it's like punk punk version of chet atkins those little runs i love it yeah. <laughs> i love well, it steve vai described me he says imagine chet atkins with the testosterone of of eddie van halen i love it man <laughs> you do a lot of stuff percussively too like uh, on stage and using the pa um, to your advantage to well get yeah huge absolutely sound. and well all my guitars have mics in them so yeah. I, and i'm using those mics wide open that's why i use a feedback buster and you have a little reverb going on stage too that you uh, control yourself, or no, no, my sound man does all the reverbs oh, okay. and the delays, everything. It always sounds best if you have a sound person out there who knows. That's right. He's a he's the other half of the duo that yeah. are playing on stage, me and him, but he's out the front. So what you hear is is uh, he's making the PA sound the way it sounds. And w- what we both strive to do is get the most amount of natural frequencies out of a PA. We don't EQ and, and overdrive anything. It's all, we get the PA to run as flat EQ-wise as possible. My amp is set with everything dead flat. And that's where we start. And that, that gives you everything. Because our ear likes all those frequencies a lot of people make the mistake of because their guitar sounds honky it might have a not a really good pickup in it uh whatever yep yeah yeah. You need to eat. You're going to meet and read in 10 minutes. All right. Okay, cool. cool. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, I can eat later. Don't worry. Um, uh, yeah, we've got a meet and greet in 10 minutes. Um, yeah, so... A lot of people take all the mid frequencies out because they, when they do that, it sounds nice, right? It sounds real sweet. But that's not actually the sound of, of a guitar. Acoustic guitar is mostly mid-range. But what you've got to do is find the good mid-range and get the best out of your guitar. And it's up to you to find that, you know. Um, when I'm playing just on this mic now, um, if, if I had headphones on, I'd be immediately moving around until I found the, the spot I liked. Right. You know what I mean? If you could hear it instantly in your ears. The headphones. Yeah, exactly. I'm just hoping that I got it right for you today. But yeah, yeah. Well, it's <laughs> it sounds wonderful. And you've got the room mics too. These are great. Amazing. Well, nah. man, on that note, you know, I got, first of all, just got to say, it's just so incredible in 2017 to drive up to a venue at two hours before showtime and mm-hmm. see at least a thousand person venue and see all these people on a Wednesday night lined up to see a solo acoustic player. It's it, it's unheard of, isn't it? It's what you're doing is fantastic, Tommy. <laughs> and, and then to fit Thanks. us in in between um, soundcheck and the meet and greet and the gig, I thank you so much. I can't you're welcome. Believe it. You're welcome. Fantastic. Thanks, Thanks for, for everything. Yeah. yeah.
Okay, you know, sometimes you just got to ask yourself, which guitar player out there can delight the most amount of people, the widest cross-section of people, the most amount of generations from great-grandparents on down to kindergartners and younger, from pop music lovers all the way to the most discriminating guitar nerds or jazz aficionados. Who's the one guitar player that can make all those groups happy? I don't know if anyone can do that better than Tommy Emmanuel. He's just got this spirit, man. He lights up the room. I can't recommend enough going to see him play next time he's in town and of course grabbing his new album live at the Ryman. I hope you enjoyed this. Again, thanks to Richard Smith for letting us use the um, use his dressing room backstage. Again, Guitar Player Magazine is celebrating 50 years in print. Check it out at guitarplayer.com. More interviews coming up. Copter's been busy, folks. All right. Hope this all finds you well. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Zoom for the H6 recorder that I was using. Even Tommy Emmanuel was like, oh, that's a cool recorder. A lot of people dig it. I'm Jude Gold. Thanks for listening to No Guitar Is Safe. And um, keep it alive to your 95, please. Thank you. No Guitar Is Safe.